This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 225. So, in today's episode, I wanted to talk about the most recent change in my own personal photographic journey. What I've shot with and why I'm making a change to a new system. Well, I started playing around with photography at a very young age, one of my uncles gave me an old Kodak Instamatic 120 film camera when I was around five or six years old. He took the time to show me how to use it, how to load and change the film, how to work what little it had in the way of controls, and I started shooting things. Now, of course, at five to six years old, many of my images didn't turn out all that great as I didn't understand ISO, aperture, shutter speed, any of that stuff. And back then, the camera was more of a point-and-shoot model anyways. Well, over the years, I played around with several models of the Kodak cameras and also some Polaroid LAN cameras as well to see what I liked and what I didn't like. And then, of course, I eventually moved up to 35mm film cameras, which allowed me more control over the entire photographic process. I was around 12 or 13 years old at this time, and I had shot with mostly Fujifilm or Canon bodies. But I did also try out Nikon and Pentax as well, and some of the older Minolta cameras. But I always tended to gravitate back to either Fujifilm or Canon. I loved Fujifilm because they made fantastic 35mm film stock, and their cameras were just a lot of fun to shoot with. And I loved Canon because their cameras were also fun to shoot with. Now, I didn't always shoot for money. Some of my photography was just for family or for myself. But then when I started shooting children and family portraits at Kmart in the early to mid-90s, the company I contracted through provided the gear, and that was a Yashica 35mm. I honestly don't remember the model number, but it had a cartridge that loaded the film from the back and held a 555-shot roll of 35mm film. And I loved doing portraits at the time, and the Yashica we used was a fantastic camera. By this point, of course, I also knew my exposure triangle and how to make great photographs. Now, after I left that company, I went back to shooting with either Fuji or Canon, and I shot some paid wedding gigs and events for families such as family reunions and even some high school reunions. And I was never into shooting weddings as a whole. It was just too much stress, too much stuff to deal with. So I only shot those for family and close friends, but they were still paid shoots. I also started moving away from shooting portraits as well. 
I loved shooting little kids back when I worked for Kmart, as I've always had the ability to make little kids laugh and smile, whether it's by doing goofy faces or silly voices or little puppet shows. But I didn't really have that much interest in shooting older kids or adults. For whatever reason, I just, I don't know, I was always less comfortable giving teenagers and adults direction, you know, when I was trying to set up their portraits. To me, it was just so much easier to work with little kids. Now, then of course, eventually came the world of digital photography. And I still stuck with either Fujifilm or Canon, but I did also play around a little bit with the Sony Mavica cameras. And I still have one of the old 3.5-inch floppy disk Sony cameras in my collection of old and antique cameras. And it still works. It'll still take photos to this day. I have to use an external floppy drive to access the, the photos on the disk because Macs don't have floppy drives anymore. Most computers don't anymore. But that's another thing. Now, I, uh, at this point, I was mostly shooting for just me and what I wanted to shoot. So I started out using high-end point-and-shoot cameras and just enjoyed photography as mostly a hobby. I did still have my film cameras, so I shot paid work off them using 35-millimeter film still. Then in 2012, I decided to go back to school for photography, and I attended the Art Institute uh, of Pittsburgh, their online division, and at the time, they had a partnership with B&H Photo in New York City. So the camera, cameras that students got at the time was the Canon T3i, which was a good little APS-C or crop body Canon camera that took interchangeable lenses. And I started out buying EF mount Canon lenses as the EF-S lenses were only for the crop body cameras. And I knew I would eventually move on to Canon full-frame digital. Now, I made hundreds of thousands of great images with my Canon APS-C bodies. I eventually moved on from the T3i to the higher-end prosumer bodies, such as the 50D and later the 70D as well. I did get paid work even with APS-C. I shot for Zoo Atlanta. And I even got a National Geographic cover with my 50D and the EF 70-300 ISUSM gold band lens, which is a fantastic lens. Once I decided to make the plunge to full frame, I started out buying a pair of 5D classic bodies that were 12 megapixels. These cameras were fantastic, and they used the same batteries as the 50 and the 70D, so I had plenty of spare batteries. I was also able to use dual cards, although one was SD and the other was Compact Flash, which of course, Compact Flash was slower when writing. So if you wrote to both cards at once, it kind of slowed things down a bit. Now I stuck with my 5D classic bodies for quite a few years. And then eventually I bought a 5D Mark II and then a 6D when it first came out. Now, the 5D Mark II allowed us to finally shoot video for the first time in a single camera in addition to stills. And the 6D, even though it only had one card slot, did have built-in GPS, so I used that for my abandoned buildings projects. 
I captured tons of abandoned buildings with the 6D, but I knew I wanted to get more details, more dynamic range. So I started thinking about medium format systems. I had used Mamiya 645 cameras on and off, but I was at the point where I didn't want to keep dealing with film cameras and film development. So I started looking at digital medium format cameras. Now, of course, Hasselblad makes fantastic cameras, but theirs are extremely expensive. They did even eventually start releasing medium format mirrorless cameras. But their first model, the X1D50C, was very nice and it was much smaller, more portable. And I watched reviews on it, but it was $10,000, so it was out of my price range. I looked at the Phase 1 cameras as well, but they also ran around $10,000 for a used one. So they were also out of my price range. Then came Fujifilm and their big announcement at Photokina 2016 that they were going to release a new medium format mirrorless platform and their first camera was going to be called the GFX 50S which featured a brand new GF mount lens system and the GFX 50S was then put into production in 2017 and went on the market but it was still a bit expensive at six thousand dollars well a couple of years later Fujifilm released the G or a little while later Fujifilm released the GFX 100 but that was also expensive at $10,000, so it was out of my price range still at the time. Then all of this changed in 2019, when Fujifilm released the GFX 50R, which had a price tag of $4,500. I was floored at that price, and it was a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous rangefinder-style camera to boot, which I really loved. So I decided at this point to trade in my Canon DSLR gear and get the GFX 50R. Now, this was 2018, late 2018, and Canon had announced the EOS R and then the RP, their first couple of mirrorless format uh, full-frame cameras in their new RF mount. Now, I'd already gone ahead and bought the EOS R and a few RF lenses, so I sent my DSLR gear to Adorama to trade for the GFX 50R and the GF 50mm f3.5 RLMWR lens. Now, I really wanted the GF 23mm, but it was just too much money at the time. So I settled for buying a Lawa 17mm f4.0D to use for my abandoned buildings project. And it was a good lens. It was a very good lens. It was all manual, of course, which is no big deal to me. But it would get some pretty wicked lens flaring if too much direct sunlight hit the front element. So that was a little bit of a bummer. But a lot of the times, if you were careful, you could clean it up in Photoshop. So it wasn't the end of the world. And it was, like I said, it was a fantastic lens. It was all metal construction. It was just a bummer that they didn't weather seal it. You know, you'd think for the $1,100 price tag, they would have added weather sealing, but they didn't, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I reached out to Fujifilm North America 
And I got a set up as a media person because I was podcasting by now as well as doing YouTube videos. And I had Fujifilm send me a GF 23 millimeter F4 RL, RL, RLM WR lens. Pardon my tongue tied there. Uh, on loan for a couple of weeks so I could review it for my YouTube channel. And I absolutely fell in love with this wide angle lens. And I eventually saved up enough money to buy the GF23. And then, of course, I sold my Lawa 17 millimeter, which wasn't an easy decision. Like I said, I did really love that lens. Uh, but it was pretty big and it was pretty heavy. And like I said, I had the lens flaring issues. So I thought, you know what, it'd just be nice to have the 23 millimeter from Fuji because it's got autofocus, um, it's weather-sealed where the Lawa wasn't. It was a little bit lighter and smaller in size, so it was more convenient to carry. So, as I said, I let the Lawa go. And if you're going to bear with me for just a second, I'm going to take a short break, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. All right, and we're back. So now fast forward to 2022, and my chronic arm problems started giving me more issues. Now, I had a work related injury back in 1998 when I was putting myself uh, through computer science school where I broke my right wrist for was about the 10th time. Now, this time I developed a disorder called CRPS. Back then they called it regional uh, reflex dystrophy, uh, reflux sympathetic dystrophy syndrome. My apologies. They've now renamed it CRPS, which is chronic, uh, it's chronic something pain syndrome. I can't remember now, um, but it's a nerve disorder where the broken bone actually heals, but the nerves keep sending signals to your brain telling you that the bone is still broken. So it's not exactly a fun thing to live with. And then on top of that, for the past few years, I've had issues off and on with my elbows as well. And which, from the symptoms I had, seemed to be cubital tunnel. So I went to an orthopedic surgeon who in turn sent me for nerve testing, which was, of course, not fun, having to poke a bunch of needles in your arms and run voltage through them. Not fun at all. <laughs> but when I got the results, the surgeon explained that I didn't have cubital tunnel, which was a relief. Um, but I wasn't sure what to do about the pain. So when I consulted with him, he told me to start taking 100 milligrams of B6 every day. And it did help with the symptoms but I was still having arm issues in general. 
Now, if you've been listening to my show for any amount of time, you know that I also listen to some other photography podcasts, and one of them is the Petapixel Photography Podcast. And the host on that show, Sharky James, was a photojournalist for 20-plus years using Nikon flagship DSLRs. And I had been shooting with Canon flagship bodies, film DSLR for around the same amount of time. And if you know anything about flagship DSLRs and large lenses, they're extremely heavy, especially when you're lugging them around all day shooting, 12, 16, 18-hour days. It's just a lot of wear and tear on your body. I was doing mostly sports photography like NASCAR and superbike racing and stuff like that. Now, Sharky's the same age I am, and listening to his podcast, I found out that he has the same arm issues that I have, other than the CRPS. And he made the decision a few years back to switch to the Fujifilm X series of cameras. Now, I thought about all of this, and as I said before, I love Fujifilm cameras, but I also knew I would take a beating trading in my Canon gear. But it would also be a pain to try and sell it myself. Because as everyone knows, today there are just too many scammers on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, even on eBay. So I reluctantly decided to bite the bullet and trade my gear in. Which is what I did last Saturday. I had found a local camera shop about 40 miles away from my home. And I struck a deal with them. Now I traded in my gear... And I managed to get two brand new Fujifilm X-T4s with the kit lenses, uh, the 16 to 80 and the 18 to 55, which are basically the equivalent in 35 millimeter to the 24 to 70 and the 24 to 105. So I got those. And then I also got a brand new Fujifilm X-E4 to use for my paid real estate work. And I was also able to get some spare batteries for all the bodies, as well as some brand new Godox speed lights for Fujifilm. And then when I got home, I went on Amazon and I ordered a nice Rokinon manual only 12 millimeter F2 lens for my real estate work. Now, Fujifilm does offer a really nice 10 to 24 millimeter lens that would be great for my real estate work. But I didn't have the extra money for that lens just yet. It's like a $1,000 lens. So for the time being, I have the XF16-80, to the XF18-55, to and now I have the Rokinon, which just arrived yesterday. And I'm also eyeballing the XF27mm f2.8 because it's equal to the 40mm f2.8 pancake lens that I had an EF mount which I loved and shot with for many years. I kept that even when I got rid of all of my other EF mount gear. I kept that one lens. And the XF27, in addition to being F2.8, like the 40 millimeter STM pancake lens from Canon, it's the same focal length and 35 millimeter equivalent, but it's also a pancake lens as well. So it'd be great to have that because on the XE4, it would be super compact. And that'd just be phenomenal. Now, of course, I got my three bodies home. I charged them up, which is really sweet since Fujifilm, like Sony, allows you to charge the battery in the camera using a USB-C cable. So once I got the batteries charged up, I started setting up my new camera so I'd be ready for paid real estate work again. 
And I also need to eventually get battery grips for the XT4s, even though they, if they'll add a little bit of extra weight to the overall system. I know it's still going to be a lot lighter than my Canon with the battery grip and heavy lens. I also need to eventually get a nice wildlife lens, such as the XF100 to 400. Or if the price is right, I might opt for the newly announced 18 to 300 from Tamron in the X mount, if it ever actually hits stores. So, of course, as I said a moment ago, I got the batteries charged up and ready. And I started setting up things like my back, back button focus and other minor settings here and there. So I'd have them ready like my GFX 50R. Now, it is nice to have all of my gear from the same maker so that everything is uniform. I also love the Fujifilm cameras and ha the, the Fujifilm cameras have the Fujifilm film simulations, which beautifully replicate their 35 millimeter film stock. I love how Fuji uses dials and buttons that make their digital cameras look, work, and feel like older 35mm SLRs. Now, you might think I'm silly or nostalgic, but Fujifilm cameras do make shooting a lot of fun. And their color science is fantastic as well. So it's a win-win. Now, the XE4 is going to be great for my real estate work as it's compact and super lightweight. And I can shoot with it all day without having any arm issues. The XE4 also sports the same 26, 26 megapixel sensor and CPU as the X-T4. And both camera bodies have in-body image stabilization, which can come in handy as well for keeping your shots steady. So now in addition to the 100 to 400 millimeter lens, I, I mentioned earlier, I want to get the 10 to 24, the 27 millimeter, and they also have a 33 millimeter f1.4, which is equal to the 50 millimeter in full frame. And I'm also thinking about the 56 millimeter f1.2, which is equal to 85 millimeter portrait lens. Now, as I said, I don't do a lot of portraits today, but it would still be nice to have a portrait lens. And the 56 millimeter 1.2, I'd be at the same aperture I was at with my RF 50 millimeter 1.2. So that would be great. I'd have an ultra bright wide aperture 85 millimeter portrait lens. Now, not all the lenses I'm looking at are the higher end XF models, as I've seen a couple of the XC lenses, which from what I've read are Fujifilm's less expensive lenses. They're at a lower price point and they're mostly plastic construction like the low end Canon silver band lenses. Now, I had thought I had heard or read somewhere that Fujifilm was coming out with a Mark II version of the XF27 2.8, but I've not found the newer model on any camera sites yet. I did reach out to Patrick from FujiRumors.com, and he suggested that I wait till later this year to get the 56mm 1.2, as Fuji is releasing a Mark II of that model, of that lens, at some point this year. So there you have it. That's where my journey is right now. I had to go with a lighter system because of my arm injuries, so I switched to Fujifilm. Now, I did honestly consider Micro Four Thirds, as my friend Levi Sim recommended or suggested on last Thursday's episode. And I played around with a used G9 at the local camera shop 
And although it seems like a nice system, I just felt that sticking with Fujifilm was the way to go for me. So now I have four Fujifilm bodies, the GFX50R, two X-T4s, and an X-E4. I'm back to four bodies, and I'm at five lenses for now with the two GF mount and the three X mount. And I will continue my photo journey this way, hopefully, for another two to three more decades if I'm lucky. And as I spend more and more time with my new Fujifilm cameras, I'll share with you, the listeners, my thoughts here on the show and in the podcast Facebook group as well. So stay tuned. Don't forget to join the Facebook group if you haven't done so yet. Remember to check out the Land Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 225 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. And I also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media, Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And reach out to me. Reach out to me. Email me at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Join the Facebook group. Make your voice heard. I want to hear your comments, your thoughts. What system you shoot with. Why you went with that system. Any of that stuff. It's all good. I'm not here to judge anybody, as I've said so many times before on the show. It doesn't matter what camera system you use. They all make great images. They all make great videos. So it doesn't really matter. Remember Chase Jarvis's old saying, the best camera is the one that you have with you. And he backed that up by writing a book about it. And he spent one year, one entire 12-month year shooting with nothing but an iPhone. And then he also released his own iOS camera app called Best Camera. So it doesn't matter what you use. Feel free to reach out to me. Join the Facebook group. Post your images in there. Talk in there. Comment on other people's posts. We're not here to give you any grief. It's all strictly a photographic journey. Let's make this journey together and have a great time doing it. All right, that's it. I will see you all again on Sunday for the latest news and rumors.